Good morning, ASDEC. It's good to not have to be the only person leading worship, but I'm really happy that all of you can still join me online. But today you've seen that we have more of our young adults involved and they're leading out in worship because we can and we want to bring to you who are at home a better worship experience. Of course, I know some of you are actually gathering together in various homes and you are bringing back a little bit of the normality into the worship service in ASDAQ. I know that you're able to gather, pray, sing, and for some of you, I know you will have potluck together. And I'm, I'm excited and happy that that is happening. But until the day where we can gather physically again in ASDAQ, let us continue to strive to connect because we are committed to that. We're committed to connect intentionally, to make connection spaces, to connect authentically, and to invite others to join us. So for those of you who are uh, hosting somebody, remember to take a photo and send it to me. And for those who want to join but don't know where you can go to, please SMS or WhatsApp the, the SDEC number. Or if you have my personal number or the email, please write to me and I'll help you arrange that. And for some of you who want to host but have yet to find somebody to invite to your place, go ahead and invite those people that you have in mind. Pray about it. But if you really can't find anybody, please contact me too and we'll work it out. Because I have some people who want to go somewhere and I know some of you want to host people. Once again, I'm really, really glad that we're moving to phase two. And, you know, I think and I hope and I pray they will go to 2.5 really soon. Let's continue to pray for that. But as, as our prayer warrior Sherwin mentioned, you know, COVID-19 is not the only thing we're fighting against. In fact, in this community, we have some uh, that have actually contracted dengue. So be safe. Stay healthy and, and spray those anti-mozzy, whatever. Leather yourself in them. Stay in the house. Uh, clear any water that's in the house. I'm like, I feel like I'm NEA, you know, trying to give some public advice. But do that because it's, it's, it's important. And for those of you who are gathering in the homes of others, still maintain safety. Don't let the ball drop, right? We know that there are some other countries who it has happened. In fact, my friends from Melbourne have gone out and, 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 and been more free than us in Singapore, but all of a sudden, they're back into the circuit breaker. Like, I, I really do not want to go back to the circuit breaker. And all of us have a part to play. And next thing, we know that election's over. Singaporeans have made their voice heard and they want to, they have shared who they want, they have chosen who they want and how they want Singapore to be governed. And that's in line with what we're talking about in ASDAQ. Last week, we talked about that Jesus came to introduce the kingdom of God. He doesn't do that by violence or by force, but he does that by teaching his values, his system, his principle, his character. And so for the rest of this year, in fact, I think, um, given the, 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 content, the content we're going to cover, we're going to be talking about what Jesus is sharing on the Sermon on the Mount, about what His kingdom looked like and how, as citizens, we are to live in that kingdom. You know, if you read the scripture, it is pretty crazy, a lot of things that Jesus says. Because if you look, about, you look at it, you think about it, it's impossible. And very often you hear people say, Pastor, that's not realistic. And I agree with you. It is not realistic because what is reality for humans? Reality is based upon our past experience, our information, our knowledge, and what people tell us. That's reality. We define reality by what we know. 
but things that we don't know is not realistic. I remember about 10 to 15 years ago, there was this concept of students not having to go to school but can still attend class in person. Guess what? We are doing that. We've done that. And in fact, the government has committed that we will continue to do that. It is not as ideal as what I, of course, saw 10 to 15 years ago where there's a 3D holographic person that's there and then you can attend class in a holographic form. But you know what? We have made a big step forward. And I, you know, if you tell my, my grandparent that we're going to do that, they're like, you, you're crazy. James, you need to sleep. You need to rest. You know, like, it's like, but, but today, it is becoming more and more of a reality. And if you ask my grandparents, and if you ask my parents when they were younger, would that be the case? They'd be like, that is not realistic. You know, we need someone from beyond us to come and tell us and teach us about the future that they know about, that we don't know about, that we need to strive forward towards. And this is what Jesus is talking about in the kingdom that he is bringing or has brought and is continuing to bring to us. And as followers of Jesus, we choose to live in that kingdom. But what is that kingdom like? And so today, I'm going to talk, be talking about the Beatitudes, and I'm going to nickname this, name this series, Blessed. Right, let's go to the first verse. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 2 to verse 3. Matthew chapter 5, verse 2 to verse 3. Of course, it's on the screen if you want to. But I'll read my, from my scripture, from the ESV version, it says, The Beatitude, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, that's weird, right? Why do scriptures say stuff like that? I'll explain it later. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, we must first continue to remind ourselves that the author of the scripture are not Chinese, Australian, Singaporean, Malaysian. They're not somebody from our generation. They're not somebody of our like, modern human being. They are Hebrews. They are Israelites from more than 2,000 years ago. And the, 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 the words that we read here, although it's in Greek, is written by a Hebrew person. And so when they try to emphasize something, there's a, a concept in the Hebrew writing where it's redundancy. When they say something more than they should, it's actually their way of placing an exclamation mark and says, listen. That's why there's a repetition of words. Jesus would say, readily, readily, I say to you. Verily, verily, I say to you. Or he says, listen and hear. So here, when he talks about Jesus speaking, the, the author is trying to say that Jesus is not just casually chit-chatting. He says that Jesus opened his mouth. It means he raised his voice and he was in a teaching mode. You know, my friends told me that I didn't know that I do that, but I think I guess I do because a lot of you have said that. They say that when I preach, and when I chit-chat, I sound different. Like I, 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 I raise my volume. I raise, even they say you raise a semitone. Your tone goes higher. Uh, after watching my own video recording, I do that. All right? So it's a, it's a thing of when we are in a mode of teaching or public speaking, we tend to change who we are and how we speak. And this is what precisely the verse is saying, that Jesus is in teaching mode, and he's saying, listen up. And so here he says, Poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Or in some version, kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing. 
you use interchangeably. In fact, some places it just says the kingdom, the our, the kingdom. So people have always looked at this verse and continuously in my conversation with them, I feel that they've misunderstood it. And I think we have to continue to understand what Jesus is teaching for his kingdom because we are choosing to live in that kingdom. Number one, the word blessed. You know, a lot of people say, what does it mean to be blessed? You know, it's, it's, it's continuously in our Christian mind that when somebody is blessed, they're receiving a gift outside of themselves. They're receiving something that is not theirs, but bestowed upon them. Like, God bless me, right? I hear that very often, and I've prayed that myself just before an exam. God, please bless me. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying I didn't study. I really didn't prepare for this exam. I really don't deserve the marks here, but God, you're good. God, you're loving. God, you can give me this gift that I don't deserve, and that's what we call a blessing. When something good happens to us, we call it, that's a blessing. But the word here doesn't actually mean that. The word here, the bless, the word here is not an exterior thing. In fact, the word here is describing a state of existence where it's interior. It comes from inside out. The closest word we have today would be the word happy. It's actually, Jesus says, happy are those. Or another word that you kind of need to join two words to really fully bring out the flavor of this word in Hebrew. The word is actually happy and satisfied. It says blessed, it means Happy and satisfied is somebody who is poor in the Spirit. What does that mean? Is it saying that the rich people are not blessed, are not happy, are not satisfied? Is it saying that as Christians we cannot be rich? But here it's very clear. It says poor in the Spirit. And people have gone on to describe that that means people who are grieving, who are sad, are even depressed. And I think that's a misunderstanding of that word. Here, it's very intentional that Jesus is saying it has to do with a spiritual understanding of own self. He says, when you understand who you are spiritually, that you're poor spiritually, that you cannot satisfy and fulfill yourself, that you cannot become who you want to be based upon your own efforts, that is someone who is poor in spirit. It's a clear recognition by Christians about who they are. You know, when, you, when, 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 when I was growing up in the church, I've always been taught that if you do a certain thing, if you have good spiritual habits, if you read your Bible, if you pray, if you, if you lead song service at church, if you do the presiding work, if you, uh, if you preach once in a while as a youth leader, and if you do the garden of prayer, if you serve in ministry, you go help in the, uh, uh, help in the, the afternoon uh, program with the old folks home, and if you are, if you are kind of respectful to your parents, if you don't hit your sister and your brother, you're good. You'll be, you're spiritually mature. But then, as I grow up, I realize there's a problem. The definition of spiritual maturity was based upon my own works, effort, and discipline. And if I look at heart of heart of what Jesus continues to say, in fact, if I compare myself 
to the people Jesus was speaking to in terms of habits, the Pharisees, I fall really short of them. And yet Jesus says that they are spiritually lacking. So what then? What should I do? And it's a realization that I think all of us need to have, and it's good to have to realize that our spiritual maturity, our richness in the Spirit is not based upon our works and our discipline, our effort. It's like an empty jug cannot be filled with water by its own wanting. Like, you know, my, my, my water bottle has drawn some comments in recent weeks. Um, so today is black. This is the one that all fathers got for one of the Father's Day. Um, this, if this bottle is empty, if this bottle is empty, and I'm thirsty, you know, and I go, bottle, fill yourself up with water. Man, if it does, I'll be, I'll be like, amazing. You'll be like, Elisha, Elijah, you know, kind of experience. It cannot. So somebody, me, have to bring it to the tap, to the water filter tap, and just fill it up with water. The thing by itself cannot fill itself up with what it wants to have and should be doing. See, a water bottle should be carrying water, but it doesn't generate water by its own effort. It has to be poured in and filled in by somebody else because it doesn't have it in its essence. That's us. We should be filled with the Spirit. We should be filled and we should be spiritually mature as Christians. But by just wanting it, by just trying to do things that activate it, doesn't work. We can't do it. And Jesus says it's a good place to be at. When you realize that you cannot depend on yourself to be filled up. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And then he goes on. The poor in the kingdom of God is our people who have a clear understanding of who they are and they're not blinded by legalism, nor by cheap grace or by laziness. Because some who are poor in spirit are not even interested in growing spiritually. So there's that two side who's struggling. So Jesus is teaching all these people on, this, on the mountain. He says, some of you are trying to achieve that by your own effort. Some of you are not even wanting it, sitting back and he says, God will give it to me anyway. No. Though poor in spirit, there must be a recognition of the poorness. And then he goes on. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And again, you know, the thing that, the favorite thing that we like to do, I've, I'm guilty of it myself, is we take each of these beatitude out of his context and just apply each of them individually. I mean, there's, there's a... a, a, a a discussion where there's eight blessings or there's nine blessings. But honestly, God is talking about one state of existence. He's not talking about how many of these eight or nine you can fulfill and then you get specific blessing based upon accomplishing each and every one of them itemized. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's describing a whole context of existence for Christian. So I'm guilty of this, but I'm going to explain to you what, how I've misused this verse. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I bring this verse to somebody who has suffered a tragedy, for somebody who has suffered some pain and, 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 and loss, and I go, you know, God's going to bless you. Because you are mourning. You are sad. 
And then they tell me, more often than not, Pastor, I don't feel blessed. How can my circumstance, all this bad thing that's happened to me, cause me to be blessed? That's whack. And yes, it is. Because it's not what Jesus is saying. You know, it's crazy if we believe in that, then all of us Christians should go into this mode of suffering. In fact, there's one sect in the Christian world that actually believes in inflicting torture and pain and suffering upon themselves in order to earn the favor of God. But that's just a different form of legalism. Because you think by doing something, you can achieve the grace that God bestowed upon you. But we may be doing it in a more subtle way, that we don't allow ourselves as Christians to be happy, to have life. You know, some Christians are, are so scared when their life is going well. They're like, their life is smooth sailing, they're being blessed, God is protecting them, and they're like, oh no, I know something big is coming. It can't be that good. And I'll be like, man, just enjoy it while God is with you and, and just blessing you. Although that's not, we're, we're not striving for blessings. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. But I'm not also not preaching the opposite, which is the cursed gospel, that to be blessed, you must suffer. That's nonsense. When the scripture says those who mourn, are those who within the context realize, he said, I'm so poor in spirit, I'm so lacking in God's goodness, I'm so different from the Jesus that I say I worship, and they are sad about that existence. It's very specific what they're mourning about. They're not just mourning randomly about general life circumstance. They are mourning that they're not more filled with the Spirit. They're mourning that they're not spiritually more mature. That's what Jesus is saying. And Jesus says, that's good. It's a good place to be. And you'll be happy and satisfied. He doesn't give the answer how and why yet. But say you will be because you realize what you're lacking and you're sad. It's a good thing. You know, pain is important to life. You know, pain, in fact, pain is essential. I'll be really worried if Lucas cannot feel pain. Seriously. Like even with his pain exposure, like he feels pain, that's what I'm saying, he still does things that cause himself pain. He's still like, you know, he'll climb under the sofa and then knock his head really loud and then me and Tim will freak out and he'll be like, oh, ouch. And I'll be like, that's dumb, isn't it? Don't do that again. He's like, don't, 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 don't climb. He's like, but then he'll try it again despite him knocking his head before. Imagine if he can't feel pain. Oh dear. So God is saying, it's good to be sad because when you're sad and you, you, you do a reality check of who you are, you know where you are, then you know you have needs. It's, like it's good that, you know, there's some days where I get so busy, nobody believes me when I say that, but I get sometimes so busy I forget to eat. They're like, James, forget to eat? Oh, blasphemy, how is that possible? But it happens, okay? There's some days where it's so, I'm so busy that it's 2, 3 o'clock and I'm like, have I eaten lunch yet? And I realize I haven't. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'll just eat something random in the office. Um, it happens. But it's good because I have to feed myself or else I'll, I'll grow faint and, then, and I'll have no, I have no energy. 
In fact, one of the things that I realized when I started going to the gym is all my friends tell me, remember to eat. I'm like, what's the big deal, man? I'm trying to like lose weight. No one you tell me to say, if you don't remember to eat, your workout will be wasted. Because you're not feeding your body, you're not generating good fuel, you're not building muscles, then forget it. It's useless. And so it says, God is saying, those who are poor in spirit is good, it's a blessing, because now you realize. You have a need. You mourn about this, the bad situation. You realize you're in a situation that is not good. Good. Because if you're in a bad situation, and yet you're like, this is pretty good. In fact, that's how some people are stuck. And that's caused some parents lots of grief because they go to their kids, knowing that their kids are stuck in a bad situation, and they're like, dude, this is bad. Get out of it. And the kid's like, that's not bad. I know I've caused my mom many, 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 many nights, sleepless nights because of my bad habits. When I was, I was growing up, when I was a teenager, I would play game all night. I would go to school. I wake up about 6, six 7 o'clock to get to school on time. Um, and I get to school, I spend a whole day in school, and I'll spend the afternoon being involved in various activities. I'll come home, I'll do my homework. Not bad, right? And then so I, like, I've earned it, so now I can play game. And when I play game, I play to you like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. And then I get to get up at 7. You know, I love teenage years, man. Your body's like indestructible. And I did that for months and months. And my mom will go to bed. I think she didn't sleep well. And at 3 o'clock, she'll wake up. She'll wake up and she'll see the lights in my, you know, I try to be like subtle. I, like, I don't turn on the main light. I only turn on like the lights around my desk so that she can't really see the light. She can see the light. I'm so stupid. So she'll see the light then she'll, she'll knock. James, go to bed. And I'd be like, don't disturb me. I earned this time. He's like, go to bed, James. It's bad for your body. For, for months, for months, even for, for years, I believe. Man, imagine the, the, the pain I caused her when she saw that I was in this situation. But finally, I realized that, dude, my body is it's not good. Man, I can't take this very much anymore. I mourn about my existence. Like, why did I do it to myself? So stupid. It's a good, good place to be when you realize you have a need. And then Jesus goes on to say that those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In fact, the word meek here is a choice by the translator of the scripture, the English translator, to intentionally make it sound good, choose a different word. In fact, the word here is exactly the same word as the poor. It's the same word. If I translate it literally, these three verses actually says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who, for those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the earth. When the scripture goes heaven and earth, the scripture is everything that is for you. The sandwich of blessing in this first part of this beatitude, Jesus intentionally to his listener they were, it was very clear to his, his Hebrew listener that Jesus sandwiched it. He sandwiched it. Poor, you receive the kingdom. Poor, you inherit the earth. It's good to mourn about that existence, that you're poor. It's good. And for them, the, the inheriting the earth brings back a very important memory. Because for the Israelites to inherit the earth was technically the, the phrase that says, you will receive the promised land. And they were actually now at this moment, while listening to Jesus, located physically in the promised land. But at this point in the lives of the Israelites, the land was not theirs anymore. 
it was under the Roman Empire. It was ruled by a king who says that he is also God, but it's not the God that they worship. And they're under that, that oppression, under that rule, and they say, this is our land, but now it no longer is under our control. But Jesus says, blessed are those who realize that you have a need for something more in your life and that something more is a spiritual life with God, you will receive, you'll be a part of this new kingdom and you receive the promised land of this new kingdom. We have to come to that place to realize that that's where we are. And finally, concludes this first section with this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And here this satisfied is, is, is the word that actually says you'll be saturated, which is very related to the word blessed. It means you're, you're filled with so much happiness. And so all this realization of where we are, being poor in spirit, lacking in goodness and, and likeness of God, that being, although being a part of this kingdom, we're not as good as this kingdom expects us to be. And we mourn about that state, and then we realize again that that's who we are. Then Jesus says, then now the right action, the right reaction is not to stay put and just sit in the corner, turn off the light, and, and, and mourn about it. The right reaction to this realization is this next verse. To hunger, because you realize you're empty, right? You realize you're, you have nothing in you. It's to hunger and thirst for the thing that will satisfy you, which is righteousness. Makes so much sense. You know, imagine I told you about me working to a point where I forget to eat lunch. And imagine my reaction after that, realizing that I have not eaten lunch and I'm famished and I'm parched, is to sit there and go, oh man, I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty. Poor James. Why is he so sad? He has no food to eat. That's stupid, right? The reaction is to, all right, I'm hungry. Let's go eat something. Let's go drink something. And so Jesus connects it to a very fundamental, primal need of humanity. He says, once you realize you, you lack spiritual richness, now hunger and thirst for it. He doesn't say, now get it. Now earn it. Now do something. No, no, no. You need to like now want it. And so today, as we end this first part, my question to you as that is, are you hungering after righteousness? Because that is the NRIC. That is your ID card for the kingdom of God. You know, yesterday as I went for my election, you're not going to hear who I voted for. It's secret. It's sacred. Um, but there was one thing that I, I, I did, you know. I went there. They had to check my IC. And then, I, you know, all wearing masks, you have to, like, take down, and they'll look at your IC and look at you. I don't know why. Now I really understand Superman. Because, like, I... My, my, my NRIC photo is from like 10 years ago, right? So I was wearing different glasses and really thick black rim glasses. And the guy took like three looks. And I like, I look different. And he's like, yeah, your glasses changed. I like, then I, I said something. I, I, I guess Asians can't tell Asians apart too, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just changed my glasses. I look different. But then he like, he had to check who I am. And my ID card proves that I am who I claim to be. For the kingdom of God, you'll not be issued an, an ID card. You know, your, your baptismal certificate, sorry man, that doesn't work in heaven. It is important, the act of baptism, but a certificate, I printed it upstairs. 
right? That, that's me. It's not Jesus. You know, God didn't issue me that. Your relationship with Christ is what is important. Your ID card for the kingdom of God is your realization that you need Jesus in your life. And that realization which should cause you to now seek a relationship with Jesus. And in establishing that relationship, that's your ID card. You know what's the ID card when you go to heaven? Or even being a part of the kingdom now? If this is not real, right, but it's imaginary. If you go there and there's myth and legend go, Peter will be at the door and you ask, why are you here? What have you done? And all you can say is, I know Jesus. And it's only by knowing Jesus that we'll realize that, you know, my life, I'm here not because of who I am, but because of who he is. There'll be a reawakening of a realization of all our need for salvation. Because we realize that we're poor in spirit. And the ultimate question you, I'm asking you today, Aztec, is in the throne of your heart, who are you going to place there? Is your ID card going to be your good works? Unfortunately, when you go to, to, to before, the, before God, God's going to say, I don't know you. Yeah, you've led worship. Yeah, you've given to the poor. Yeah, you've helped others. You've been a nice and pleasant person. You've even helped taught, teach Sabbath school, maybe. But if you don't know Jesus, unfortunately, Jesus don't know you, which is normal. And it's something I'm going to ask you today. As you continue with the Sermon on the Mount, as you continue with the Beatitudes, let us get to know what the kingdom of God looks like and let us be sure to have our ID card in our hands.